1: Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here
0: to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here, and let's dive into the episode. There, this is Nicole Van Tassel uh, with I Explore Science, and you are listening to the Teaching Science and 3D podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So, we are going to be um, talking about your like warm-up strategy or how you start your science class. So, um you might know them as warm-ups or bell ringers. I've called them science starters in the past. This year, I called them wa," which was my walk-in warm-up activity, and I realized that it should be probably like woo," but for some reason, I had wa" in my head, and then that's just what I'm like, meh, whatever. The acronym is not right, but we're going to roll with it. It's our WEWA, and it was just kind of funny. I don't know. It's a funny thing to call it. Um, so your, however you start your science class, right? The purpose of the bell ringer, and you may already have a bell ringer. Um, basically, to, in today's episode, I'm going to just super briefly share with you the purpose in case maybe you're not using one. I'm going to share with you the structure that works really well for me in holding my students accountable um, and keeping them just like very consistent. And it, it honestly, we get the whole bell ringer done within three to five minutes um, and are just like ready to roll after that. And, uh, and then I'm going to share with you – what, like, some different ideas for activities to kind of keep it engaging. Um, it's super low prep. You don't have to, it's, you're not spending a lot of time on these warm-ups every day. Uh, like, I know you can totally purchase warm-up questions and things like that, but, like, honestly, sometimes even if I forget to prepare my warm-up, it takes me two seconds to come up with one because of these low prep strategies. Okay, so purpose of your bell ringer or your warm-up. I mean, it's setting the tone for class. So it is honestly a like a classroom kind of management strategy, a, a tool to make your class flow easily. I My students know, because I've taught this strategy, because it is an important procedure in my classroom, my students know exactly what to do when they come in the door. It gives me a chance to get settled. Maybe I need to take attendance or maybe I need to, like, there wasn't a lot of transition from the last class and I need to get, you know, my materials in order. Um, Whatever it is, I have a few moments to do that because my students are otherwise engaged in an important task. It also allows... It provides an opportunity to like review maybe a key idea or a vocabulary term or to practice a 3D skill. We'll talk about that. Or even just to give them an opportunity to cultivate their curiosity, right? So that is one of the values in my classroom is that I want to create as many opportunities to allow my students to get curious as possible and practice asking questions and practice just pausing and observing. And it is just a, a one small bite-sized way I can do that daily or whenever we, we focus on that skill. So if you do not have some sort of walk-in procedure for your students and you or you are feeling like my students are coming in and it's taking so long to get them to quiet down and to get them to have their materials and to get them started, you need a walk-in warm-up procedure. You need a wi Um So my students, they come in. They get their notebooks in their folders. The WeeWah is posted in the same place. It's on my slides every single day. So I have my agenda slide that has a list of like what we're doing. It has our affirmation for the week and it or our mantra for the week, and it has the wewa um, So as soon as the bell ring, my students are coming in the door, as soon as the bell rings or it is time for like class to start, I I come in and I set a timer, and it is just a timer that is on like my iPad, and I just set it for two minutes and it's just there. And my students have that amount of time to not only finish their wheel up but also get anything they they haven't done. So sometimes, you know, your students that come in first have already gotten their notebooks, they're already sitting down, they're getting started, and then there's other kids that maybe were taking a little bit too long in the hallway and they are still getting their, their notebook at that point. Either way, they have the same amount of time to get it done. So they come in, they get out their notebooks, they get their workbooks, whatever they need for class, Have it take a seat, and they're taking out their WIWA paper. So this is one piece of paper. It is printed with usually about 10 spaces, front and back, um, and students are just writing the response. In the past, I have had students write the questions or the prompts also, but I just feel like that's a waste of time and I'm not, I don't do that anymore. And they just keep the same paper until it's filled up. However, Early, like, we established this procedure where when they are done with their weewa, they raise their hand, and I come around with a stamp. I actually, I only do it the first maybe week or so. After that, I actually have students do it. So at this point in the year, I have a few, you know, the students they finish, the ones that are early finishers, they'll say, like, can I stamp today? And I'm just like, sure, go for it. So they have their little stamps. They come grab I have my stamps. They come grab the stamp, and then those students are responsible. So my my students know when I'm done with my weewa, I raise my hand, and someone is coming around with a stamp to note that I have answered the prompt or I have completed the prompt by the end of the timer. As we get near the end of the timer, or it goes off, I say, "Okay, last call. Raise your hand high if you're done." And we do any maybe last minute, like if if someone hadn't they had their hand up, but they were not, you know. They hadn't gotten stamped yet. I guess the stamper had not gotten to them yet. Last call, get your stamps. So my conditions for getting a stamp is that they have to write something. I honestly don't care if it is right or wrong at that point. They just have to write something. And while this year I haven't had this issue, um, for the most part, everybody tries to like answer the prompt or answer the question. Um, Honestly, they are designed to just be easily answerable. In the past, I have had a student that just literally wrote apple every single class, and that was okay for that. Um, he still got his stamp, but I did expect him to update the answer to a relevant response or maybe a correct response if it, if it is a right, wrong kind of question by the time that you know they turn it in. So we'll review the question if it is right or wrong and they should correct their answer at that point. So they get their stamp and then we review the question. So how do I do that? Sometimes it's a, does anybody just want to share? Sometimes I draw popsicle sticks with their names on it, and I ask them to share. Sometimes, and of course, they can say pass; um, it's not a big deal. But sometimes I have my students like, and and this is where I'm I'm trying to move away from me asking a question and students giving a response, and instead having them talk to each other. So I have moved, I've moved more toward. I would like you to share with some with your table group and write down another person's idea or write down another person's response. So, in um, that way they're kind of sharing and then they're being held accountable and that like they're listening to a friend or a peer and they're writing that they're adding that person's idea to their paper. Sometimes I have them again, you're talking to each other, you're sharing with the table and then please choose one person to present your idea with the group. Um and sometimes, honestly, if we're like just running behind, I'd be like, "Okay, just put it away. We'll we'll talk about it later." And then sometimes we don't get to talk about it later, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, at the very end of the you know, like twenty days worth of classes, basically, I will collect it and I grade it for participation. I just look like look that it has the stamps and I look that the, the answers look kind of right. Um, it's a participation grade, so it's very minimal impact on their actual grades because I don't like to. I like. I want my grades to reflect mastery and learning, um, and I'm not in a standards-based grading system, so I try not to do, like, accumulations of points. So participation is weighted very minimally, but they get a grade for that. I also don't, like, make that a big thing with them. I'm not saying this is worth nothing in your grade, so don't bother doing it. But anyway, side note as a teacher, you know, the -the behind-the-scenes things. Um, how do I deal with absences? well, honestly it's your it's your choice. You could have your students just like x out the box and or write absent, you know, that I was absent on this day. Um, that's kind of where I'm at this year. I'm not really worrying about it too much. In the past, I've had, well, you need to copy an answer from a friend. You need to write um, you know, just to document that you had it done or just to fill in the space. Um, it's up to you and your students, really. But I've gone both ways with it. I'm not really that concerned about it. Like I said, it kind of has a minimal impact on the grade. The purpose is less of doing, getting it done, and more of just establishing that startup routine that gets our class running smoothly. Um, and, you know, some questions are more, and some days the we want is more relevant or important than others, but the the, the writing it down and, and then turning it in part is really just as a way to get my class running smoothly. Um, Okay, so what are some things that I ask in my WeWAS? So at the beginning of the year, I like to do a lot of like getting to know you questions. And this is where I might ask students if they want to share their answer to that. Or I might tell them if they – this year my students all know each other because they were all together for the last K through six years. Um, But I might also just have them share with each other. So they write their answer and then they're sharing with each other. So they're getting to know each other or maybe they're getting me – I'm getting to know them by asking anyone who is willing to share to share. So getting to know you questions at the beginning of the year is great. It also can be great when you just want to like sprinkle in something. Maybe um, you just want to reinforce uh, those classroom relationships, which is important to do, you know, as you're moving through the year. Just because we do it at the beginning of the year doesn't mean it like quits after that. So sprinkling getting to know you questions. Um, I also really like to do review questions, so if we learned a new vocabulary word the other day, I might have them write the definition of it, or I might have them tell me what word I'm defining. Um, They should be easy to answer, and it should be something that your students can find a resource to answer like even if they don't know off the top of their head they can look in the glossary in their workbook or they can like turn back in their notebook to the previous day to find the answer because again the goal is that it's an independent thing they can just do it themselves sometimes I will use like a prior knowledge activator kind of questions like before we were moving into um kind of like resource availability, we talked about like, well, what do things need to survive? And that's something that they should have learned like in elementary school. So we brainstorm, what are some of those things? Those are the types of questions that I like to have students share. Like I like to hear their answers. Um, review questions. Those are ones where I might just ask one student to give the answer or I might just give the answer and like have them update or something like that. Um I also will sometimes ask opinion questions to, again, kind of just like spark that engagement and get them thinking. So before we moved into our solar system kind of little unit here, I would maybe ask, would you want to visit Mars? Or I asked the other day, like, what would you take with you if you needed to survive on Mars? And like, I I emphasize the key was survive, like, so your cell phone. You don't really need that to survive. But we wanted to talk about, like, you know, habitability and what does it mean? What do what do we need to survive? So what would you take with you to survive? And they are, I mean, there's obviously only so many things that you need to survive. But how they express it, how they word it, what they think about is, is interesting, right? And it gives them a chance to to share their opinion. Um, so those are kind of, like, your basic questions. However, there are other things that I like to sprinkle in to make it um, engaging. So I love to do notice and wonder. So that's where I'm bringing in that curiosity, right? And I want to just give them practice at making observations or asking questions. So sometimes I say, write something you notice and you wonder. Sometimes maybe I'm just like, just write something you notice. Sometimes it's write, just write something you wonder. Sometimes I give them a choice which one. Write something you notice or you wonder. Like whatever it is. And again, those are these are the opportunities where I like to have them just talk with each other about their ideas. Um, maybe I let them share with the class. Um, or sometimes I have them share at their table. And then each table present just one thing so that... They're all talking in their small group of four, but then they can also, whoever wants to share with a class can kind of share what they heard or what their table said or whatever, or what they said if they would like. Um, but it kind of limits it to, you know, six contributions. Um, so notice the winner is really That's one where if, like, I have nothing good to ask, I I just go for that, and I just find a picture that kind of relates to what we're doing or maybe a video, and then give them time to just practice those observation and asking questions skills. I have also done some data analysis, so this brings in those, like, again, that brings that three-dimensional aspect where they are, I give them a graph or a map. Sometimes it's paired with notice. What do you notice? Maybe what do you wonder? Um, Sometimes it is paired with, like, what is it telling you? So looking for that takeaway, actually interpreting the graph. Sometimes the question that I pair with it is simply like, well, what is the graph showing us? Like, like, what is this graph about? Maybe not like the conclusions, but just it shows the relationship between this and this. Um, sometimes it is, you know, like just those skills in interpreting graphs that they need to know about. Like, what is the x-axis showing us? Or or what is the scale here? Or something like that, right? Right. Um, And you can do that with graphs, you can do that with maps, you can do that with data, maybe data, like very simple data tables, and just using that kind of opportunity to practice that a little bit. Sometimes I just do more of the kind of fun warm-ups where maybe it's just a puzzle or a brain teaser. Maybe it is writing down an affirmation or a mantra that maybe they have a choice between three, or maybe I'm just like, this is what we're... um, reflecting on this week and so let's I would like you to write this mantra down um or maybe I give them an option here's a mantra or I want you to create one of your own like if you have something different going on uh and so those can just be kind of simple more of like less less academic maybe more relationships or social emotional kind of situations um and yeah so so sometimes you can take it academic and sometimes you can just do it as like um, community building and self-reflection or awareness. Maybe you're reflecting on having that, they're doing a reflection on how their week was. Or maybe they're reflecting on, um, you know, the level of effort they put into their, like a project that they did or um, their, just their week of work or whatever. So you can really mix up your bell ringer and I encourage you to mix it up. Um, but having a bell ringer or a walk-in warm-up or whatever you want to call it, science starter, is a really important strategy and procedure to have in your science class to just get things going easily and and smoothly. I should say not easily, but like smoothly. And it does not. You do not have to do anything that requires a ton of work for you. You, you like do not have to put a lot of effort into this. Um, but it it is a like a big bang for your buck type of activity because it gets things started very quickly and your students just, they just know what to do. There have been moments, you know, where you are pulled aside at the beginning of class or where um, a student needs to talk with you or an administrator stops in or something. Like my students just know what to do, whether I am in that room or not. They have a procedure, they have a clear, they have those clear expectations and it just allows us to get going very quickly. So, If you don't have a bell ringer, I hope you are encouraged to figure out a strategy or procedure that works for you in that respect, especially if you're struggling with like that beginning of class, those moments. And if you do have a bell ringer, I hope maybe you have some, you've gotten some ideas of some different ways to spice up the prompts and um, maybe bring in some three-dimensional skills uh, or even that like relationship and, and community building kind of aspects. Um, thanks so much for tuning in to this short episode this week. I am enjoying connecting with you each week. I would love to connect with you further. Um, you can find all sorts of resources to advance your three-dimensional learning at I Explore Science, um, as well as Sadler Science. I know Erin hasn't been around in a few weeks, but she has a ton of res- great resources there as well. Thank you so much for being an awesome teaching science and 3D um, listener and teacher, and I will connect with you next week.
1: Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to saddlersciencecom slash 3D Planner to grab yours. That's saddlersciencecom slash 3D Planner.